number of casual players who purchased Elden Ring due to its high review scores has resulted in an interesting experiment, and most real evidence suggests that they're looking for something, anything, to make it easier. Good morning, good Friday morning to you, I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for April 15th, 2022. If you'd prefer to consume the show the way it's intended, in a podcast feed, so you can listen on your phone as you get ready for work, or on your commute, Head to patreon.com sifted and drop us a pledge. It's free on our YouTube channel for everyone else. You can find our flagship show Game Face by searching your favorite podcast service. Please give the show a review this weekend if you can find a spare minute or two. So today Kotaku ran a story about the most popular mods for the PC version of Elden Ring. Yes, there is a huge advantage to playing the game on PC. Well, depending on your perspective anyway. While From Software superfans have complained that an easy mode would change the art that the studio is trying to make, or generally have come up with plenty of other cockamamie excuses for why normal people shouldn't be allowed to complete them, modder Odashikambu ignored the idiots and just went about creating his own easy mode for the game. PC Games mod aggregator Nexus Mods has over 500 mods for the game, and we'll give you one guess which mod is the most popular. Well, it's actually the fifth most popular, but the mods ahead of it are Togglers, which are always the most popular mods for every single game. So yes, the most popular PC mod for Elden Ring is its Easy Mode mod. The Easy Mode mod essentially does what every sane person has been asking for from an Easy Mode in From Software's games for the last decade. It lowers the damage that enemies dole out, it increases your character's damage output, it alters the game's hitboxes, and it increases the health regained by using potions. The really cool part is that there are three different shades of the mod. You can make the game just slightly easier, or make it a total cakewalk where you don't lose any FP when casting spells. And best of all, it only works in offline mode to keep players from cheating. So let's rewind here. Someone created an easy mode for Elden Ring. It's been downloaded tens of thousands of times, and the world didn't end. The sky hasn't fallen. No one who was playing the game on the default difficulty had their heads explode, and their saves weren't wiped. The mod also did not alter the difficulty of their games. No one looks at them any differently than they did before. In fact, one might assume that a lot of the Get Good crowd had no idea that the mod even existed. See how easy that was? Hopefully, in five years, when From Software's next game is ready, People will remember this story and will avoid the pointless and petty arguments over the accessibility of its games. Oh, who am I kidding? It will be a shit show all over again. And now for a couple more stories from the top of your sifts on a slow news day. CD Projekt Red today announced that despite its disastrous launch, Cyberpunk 2077 has now sold 18 million copies. Now. The developer did not share how many of those have been returned, or if that number actually takes returns into account. However, it sold 14 million pretty much out of the gate, so word of mouth definitely limited the sales on its tail. It will be interesting to see if its relatively stable state, after countless updates, will give it a late life kick. The developer also announced that The Witcher 3 has now sold an astounding 
40 million copies across all platforms. And it should get another boost when it finally launches for PS5 and Xbox Series consoles. It was our game of the year in 2015, and that pick has definitely held up. Today, VentureBeat's Jeff Grubb shared new details on the next Need for Speed on his Grub Snacks podcast. He claims the game is somehow combining photorealism with anime elements, and it's set in a fictitious Chicago called Lakeshore City. Also, the franchise's autologue feature will return. Grubb previously reported that the game will launch this holiday season for PC, PS5, and Xbox series. Also on the podcast, Grubb addressed the rumors of Kojima Productions soon being acquired by PlayStation. Its strange delivery game, Death Stranding, appeared in an official banner for PlayStation Studios, but Grubb claims that's not enough to convince him. That said, the move almost makes too much sense. It's kind of surprising, honestly, it hasn't happened already, considering how quick Sony was to pull the trigger on buying Jade Raymond's new studio, Haven, which hasn't even released a single game. It's been a quiet 2022 so far for the reboot of the Saints Row franchise. As far as we know, it's still scheduled for release this year, but it's been really silent so far. That all changes next week when a live showcase will be streamed on YouTube and Twitch. If you could pick one date in April for such a showcase for a Saints Row game, what would that date be? Um, 4.20 maybe? <laughs> well, you're right. The showcase will be hosted by actress Mika Burton, with publisher Deep Silver and developer Volition promising interviews, inside info, and a new trailer related to customization and all aspects of player choice. We'll have it curated near the top of your sis next Wednesday. New game releases have really slowed down in April, so if you're looking for something to play, the excellent XCOM 2 is now free to own on Epic Game Store. The only requirement is that you have an EGS account. It's an excellent turn-based strategy game that will get you through the weekend and then some. But obviously, it's only playable on PC. We've talked about Kingdom Hearts 4's surprising realistic art style in both Good Morning Gaming and Game Face. But today, series developer Tetsuya Nomura clarified that the game essentially takes place in two different realities. The game's new world, Quadratum, is actually a fictional afterlife world that Sora wakes up in. But Nomura claims that Goofy and Donald are looking for him and could pull him back to his original world with his massive clown shoes. Let's just hope Goofy and Donald don't appear in the more realistic Quadratum. Let's take a break and when we come back we'll tackle today's boss fight. Welcome to today's Boss Fight, where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. It wasn't that long ago that Nintendo announced that it was offering a bigger, more expensive option for Nintendo Switch Online. Before that, you could spend 20 bucks a year to play Switch games online against other players and back your saves up to the cloud. And that was pretty much it. There was no real voice chat or any other bells and whistles, but for 20 bucks... It was hard to complain, even if it's really not worth the 20 bucks. Then, Nintendo announced the expansion pack to Nintendo Switch Online, where, 
For an extra 30 bucks per year, you could have access to a catalog of retro Nintendo games including the NES, the Super NES, the N64, and as a bonus, Sega Genesis. You also received an expansion pack for Animal Crossing New Horizons, but if you decide to not renew your subscription, you'll lose access to it. Well, today, Mario Golf 64 launched into the service, but who the frick cares? It was the first ever Mario Golf game, and it was decent, but Nintendo has done nothing to enhance the game and make it more palatable to audiences in 2022. For example, online play might make it worth downloading, but it includes no such thing. And to be honest, if you're an older player, Nintendo Switch Online kinda sucks. Right now, there's slightly less than 200 games across the NES, SNES, N64, and Genesis. Pretty sure I've purchased a lot of those games multiple times on the various virtual consoles and marketplaces Nintendo has launched and shuttered across the years. Seriously. Every game that I purchased on any virtual console, on any Nintendo platform, I should not have to pay for those games again, in any way, shape, or form. Those games should be in my Nintendo library until the end of time. The N64, which is the most recent platform available on the surface, keep in mind that launched in 1996, only has 14 games available. If Nintendo wants to start providing some value to Nintendo Switch Online for people who have supported the company for a couple decades, it has to do better. I'm one of those people. At this point, I'm paying $50 a year to play in one of the worst online environments on the planet that doesn't even have a voice chat option. Being a member of PlayStation Plus for 60 a year gets me multiple free games each month that are from the last two generations of consoles. I also get a library of amazing first-party games that I can download and play. And the online play rocks. It's silky smooth. I get voice chat. I get party chat. I get it all. Don't even get me started on Xbox Game Pass. All the stuff I get for what I pay for that. As of last November... Nintendo Switch Online had 32 million subscribers, and that number has undoubtedly increased since then. If Nintendo doesn't begin to start offering something of real value to its long-term fans, those numbers are going to eventually dwindle. Or, at the very least, people like me will drop down to the lower tier at 20 bucks. Or, heck, I'm even thinking about getting rid of that. Let's be honest. Most people willing to spend the full 50 per year are not kids. They're people like me who have been buying Nintendo products since the 80s. We've played and paid for almost all of these games many times before. It's time for Nintendo to start addressing the part of its market that actually has disposable income and knows how to spend it wisely. So get rid of the retro stuff. What, what, what is there is good enough. If you're looking to capture the imagination of children with your virtual console on Switch, everything that they need is there already. The 200 games pretty much covers the gamut of all the best stuff from all Nintendo 2D consoles. And to be quite honest, they add another 15 or 20 N64 games. The essence of that catalog is there as well. We're good there. Let's start stepping it up here. Let's start making GameCube games available. And if you are going to add old games to the service, how about you add stuff that has not been available in the US? Now, Nintendo has done a little bit of that, but nowhere near enough. The selection for the most part, on Nintendo Switch Online, it's the same games that was on the Virtual Console and all these other Nintendo platforms before the Switch. I am good. I think you're good. To rationalize spending $50 a year, the service just has to be better. 
You can't rehash and recycle the same 150, 200 games that you've been doing for the last three or four platforms now. It's not good enough. Kids aren't going to pay for online play because most parents don't want their kids playing online in the first place. The people who are playing Nintendo Switch games online are people like us. They're adults. We're also the people who are really pissed off because we can't voice chat with people on our team without having our cell phones sit open and sit next to us. It's absurd. I realize Nintendo is a family-friendly company, and I do realize that the bulk of its sales do come from people who are 13 years or younger, or are things purchased by adults for people who are 13 or younger. I do get that. But it just seems like over and over again, Nintendo forgets that it has fans that have been following it since the arcade days, or worst case scenario, the NES days. We are not 13 anymore. We are adults. And I feel like Nintendo has struggled to straddle that fence, and it has got to do better. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate every single one of you who listens to GMG. I'm Shane Satterfield. Follow me on Twitter at Dinfire and follow Sifted at Sifted Games. We'll be back on Monday with another episode, but until then, enjoy your weekend and make sure you seize today because there will never be another.